0: Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and we have an awful lot to get to, uh, unfortunately. So let's just introduce the guys, and we'll try to navigate through this mess. The NFL news sucked this week, so he decided to bring a ray of sunshine on the podcast. Both Jacob and JJ are with us. How are you guys? We're doing great. I wasn't swaying because I'm crazy. I'm just swaying because I have a baby. Seeing both an old guy and a baby brought back our discussion from last week, and he has thoughts on it. Sam Bleck is on the podcast. What's going on, man?
1: Whether for better or for worse, the conversation of why do we talk about NFL players like old people and babies really piqued my interest, and I think I came to the the ultimate answer. That's because the NFL career is basically a mimic of parenthood. And what (laughs) I mean by that, is when you are drafted by the GM, you are like a new baby as an NFL player. Everything's exciting. You might blow up a diaper every now and then. You might puke up on someone's favorite shirt. But at the end of the day, you're a baby, and it's awesome because everyone's excited. (laughs) Second contract. Now you're kind of in the teenage years. Sometimes it's great. You have those perfect kids. You just get that second contract right away, no problem whatsoever. Sometimes they're not so great, and they have to be sent to a boarding house. That means that they're traded to another team. Last contract of the year, sometimes they ride out into the sunset. Just do it really well. I mean, Tom Brady's kind of the, the, that one, weird random 80-year-old who still runs marathons. So that's great. But in most cases, they kind of ride out in the sunset. Kids get tired of them, and they put them in the retirement home, a.k.a. they are traded to the Raiders. So I think in reality, the reason we talk about NFL players in the way we do is because it is an analogy of age itself. And it's a perfect comparison. So Jacob is the GM with the new quarterback that he just had. So he's about to go through all the excitement with the exploded diapers, but I'm sure it's going to be a, a fun time regardless. And I am Sean Deegan, and I did not know Lamborghini
0: made SUVs until yesterday. So before we dive into the topics, because we do we do eventually have to talk about the topics, I have two quick housekeeping things, the first of which we posted on Facebook and Twitter. We are going to be moving the podcast releasing two Thursday nights, meaning that we're recording this on a Tuesday, just work schedules and our personal schedules are kind of aligned to where it's going to work out better for us to record on Tuesdays. We'll be editing podcasts on Wednesday and getting it thrown up uh, for all of you guys on Thursdays going forward. Secondly, and I've never done this before, and I'm not sure how comfortable I am with it, but if you like what we're doing, and feel like going out and going to any of the platforms like Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts that allows you to rate and review us. And you think we're doing an okay job, throw us a, a, a rating at you that you like us, and maybe tell us something in the rating or the reviews that you might like us to see us do. I haven't done that before, but thought I might want to throw it out there just in case, So give us new ideas at least on ways we might take the podcast. So again, Thursday nights, and if you like what we're doing. Throw us a review where you can. So now that we've gotten through all the fun stuff, let's go ahead and get to the news that the NFL and specifically the Chiefs decided to have for us and what's supposed to be the quiet time of the NFL. And that is that Chiefs defensive end, the fourth highest paid player at his position, Frank Clark, was arrested yesterday on charges of illegal possession of a firearm in the state of California after a routine traffic stop. Where I'm reading this from is from the Kansas City Star. Basically, he was pulled over. I'll summarize the article here by Sam McDowell. He was basically pulled over. Officer sees what is now being described as an Uzi, which for those of you who don't know, is a submachine gun sticking out of a gym bag in the back of his car. California has some of the strictest gun control laws in the United States. I actually was looking this up earlier today. They do not allow you to carry a concealed uh, firearm in a vehicle. If you are traveling with a vehicle, you have to have it in a locked case. Where I'm getting it from, again, this is from, I'm getting it off Wikipedia. You have to double check the sources on here to make sure what you're getting is right, but start there and work your way back. So Frank Clark is arrested. It's been reported that he is now charged with a felony, which is illegal gun possession. Turns out Kansas City Star unearthed that he was uh, taken in, arrested, For the same thing, previously with a uh, handgun and a rifle that was not specified on what types, back in March, there's been some some conjecture as to whether or not he was actually charged at that time, so more details are still coming out about the March arrest, but he was apparently driving with a friend at the time. We want to give our reactions, we want to be sensitive to that, we don't know all the details, but California, wildly strict on gun laws. You apparently, at least to this point, with the details that we know, you have been avoided a felony charge to this point from back in March. You're now arrested again for the same thing with <laughs> another firearm in the same state. We get that, you know, it's a, it's a constitutional right for you to own a firearm. State by state makes it more or less difficult depending on where you are. And I get the first time maybe not being aware what California's laws are, but you should have been aware of it after that first time. Second time he gets arrested and charged this time. Obviously, this has huge implications for the Chiefs. Uh, Let's just start by getting reactions before I go off on another tangent where my uh, aneurysm here. Sam, I'm going to come to you first. The news drops Frank Clark's arrested for illegal possession of a firearm. What was your reaction when the news dropped?
1: My initial news before I found out, my initial reaction was, man, that was dumb. And then finding out that it happened three months ago, the same exact situation, then I'm like, man, you are a moron. As I texted Sean and Jacob when we were talking about it when it first happened, he apparently did not ever watch Vince Carter's famous speech to rookies about having a fall guy. This man is the third highest player in his position. Pay one of your friends to carry your guns for you if you really want to go shoot something. What are you doing? That It's just... Blows my mind. Why do you have guns in the first place? Why do you have an Uzi? That's the big thing. I I can understand a pistol, I can understand, you know, going to a firing range, having fun. What does he need an Uzi for? Uh, so I, I just the fact that it's twice in three months, it's just what are what are you doing? What what is going through your head at this point?
0: Jacob, what about you? It's time number two, and in, in a sh- very short period of time, Frank Clark is arrested. What what was your reaction when you heard the news? Let's not be too hard on him. Maybe he can't afford the gun case that it needs to be carried around him. So let's, let's be fair to Frank Clark. But yeah, it's just like, again, I don't have much of a filter on this one. It's like, you're an idiot. He doesn't have endless amounts of money, but he does. He has so much money that he will never have to work a day in his life after his brain is done in the NFL Now, again, he might live until like 50 or so, but he's going to live a great life. And again, never have to think about money if he manages things the right way. That makes you wonder about any athlete. It's like, I get that you get bored when you have a bunch of money because you can do anything you want. But at least do it smart and don't get yourself in trouble. Don't drink and drive. You can call an Uber because you're not like the rest of us. It's like, oh, no, the Uber prices are surging right now okay, you know what, if we walk like a mile, and in two hours, it won't be surging anymore. These guys can afford everything. They, they can afford to do crazy things. And they can also afford to be smart about things. So it's just, it's wild. That I think is the part to me that is most frustrating. Because the first time around, you're not even driving in a conspicuous car, like you're in a, in a, a 1993 Toyota. And I get like having your firearms and, and your car with you, totally respect that it is what it is and I I understand like being in a state where you may not know all the specific state laws we all kind of have a general idea of like federal stuff for the most part but state to state it gets different and it gets weird so I understand maybe the first time like getting pulled over for speeding they go hey you don't these we don't allow conceal and carry in a vehicle we don't allow it to have uh, assault weapons in the state of California we have to take you in that's the moment where you're like oh, okay, maybe I should read up on this to see what is allowed, what isn't allowed so that I can avoid putting myself in this position again. That to me is the next step. I, I would If I got put into a jail cell and had to pay $35,000 to get out, which is what bail was set at this most recent time, I would do everything in my power to make sure that doesn't happen again. If you want to own an Uzi, own an Uzi. I wouldn't do it, but I also don't have 165 million dollars. So whatever, 100 million dollars, 65 million guaranteed. So he's gonna get 65 million. I don't have that kind of money. I've never been in a position where that was a thing. I will tell you, I tried to fire a machine, an automatic weapon, once at a gun range, and it scared the hell out of me. So I put it down and I walked away. So if you want the submachine gun, get the submachine gun. But maybe don't do it when you're in California right after you've been arrested for owning two other guns. Wait, Sean, after you fired that Uzi, you didn't put it in a gym bag and then drive in a vehicle with it? No, I did not. I I was only driving uh, the 2007 uh, Stingray Corvette that I had. I didn't think it would attract enough attention as the Lamborghini SUV I was working on purchasing before uh, Frank Clark bought it out from under me. That, I think, is the most frustrating thing is that you, you got away with it the first time. And again, I, I'm more understanding of the first time because you may not know the state's gun laws. I understand that. That's, that's reasonable. It sucks that you got put in jail. And, and again, there's discrepancies right now with reporting as to whether or not he actually was charged the first time back in March. But that should have been your trigger warning. Instead, you get a Lamborghini SUV. Again, like I said at the top of the show, did not know that was a thing. So again, money helps out a lot. And and so, which is a car that I'm sure you're going to notice and drive around with a submachine gun, knowing that that's something they're looking for. And if you're going to do that, maybe don't do something that's going to get you pulled over. Like these all seem like perfectly reasonable things to want. Before I go off on any more rants, let's get back to football. Obviously, this is going to have implications for the Chiefs going forward and and Frank Clark specifically. So we wanted to go over what we think might be the best case scenario that he could hope for versus the worst case scenario that he could hope for and and, how that's going to affect the Chiefs going forward. So uh, I'll take these back in reverse order. Jacob, will come to you here first. What do you envision being the, the best case scenario versus the worst case scenario that Frank Clark can expect? Best case, he's a rich person and money gets him off of any sort of trouble. He comes out and records 15 sacks with the Chiefs this season. There's your best case scenario. I would say that is a, well, you know, what if you cut off the 15 sacks part, I would say that is a 25%, I think that's generous. Let's say just a 15% chance that happens where nothing happens of it. Worst case scenario, the league gets involved and says, hey, this is a felony charge. We're suspending you for the entire season, but the Chiefs still have to pay your salary in some some way. Where he gets suspended, the Chiefs still have to deal with his cap number. Now, again, it always just depends on how contracts are written and what the NFL ultimately hands down. But that's your worst-case scenario is Frank Clark can't even play for the Chiefs this year. Now, again, this is probably a 1% chance of happening, but Frank Clark can't play for the Chiefs this year, but somehow the Chiefs still have to pay him. Sam, what about you? Worst versus best case scenarios for Frank Clark, what do you think he can expect going forward?
1: I honestly think Jacob, his best was a pipe dream at the highest because I think you're looking at best case scenario, six-game suspension. I can't see, I mean, with the way the league's handled these things in the past, specifically because if it had been a one-time offense, if if this was just once – I think he may have gotten a little leniency, but because it's now, it was revealed that it's twice in a three-month period. I think the NFL levies a stupidity suspension at that point where they're just like, all right, man, this is just, you're not going to play for a while because you need, obviously, your brain's already kind of having some problems. The worst case scenario, Here's an overview of California weapons charges, a felony charge are punishable by anywhere from one to 20 years in prison. That's the worst case scenario for Frank Clark. I'm sorry. Like, I don't think that's likely going to happen, is my guess. I'm assuming he's probably going to get a hefty fine, probably some probation, something of that nature. But in reality, that's the law in California. If you have a felony weapons charge, you can be seen prison time up to 20 years. So, it, I mean, I again, don't think that's going to happen, but that's the reality of his worst-case scenario. And if he
0: avoided a charge the first time, I could absolutely see a judge going, you know, you got off on this last one and coming down harder on him than maybe he would if it, if it were to go that far. I think best case, I'm more in line with you, Sam. I, I 100% expect the league to give a statement at some point that says, we're aware of the situation. We're waiting for the law to run its course. Once the law runs its course, if Frank Clark does not have a charge, if he is lucky enough to just get probation and a fine, I I think it'll be a minimum of four-game suspension. I think it'll be something very similar to Bashad Breland's four games, mainly because it's a repeat offense and he wasn't punished for the first one at this point that we know of. Here's my follow-up punishment question on this one. So the closest one that I could think of that was kind of a big story was Plexico Burris getting suspended for four games by his own team, the Giants, after he shot himself in the leg. Uh, but then also the remainder of the playoffs. Do the Chiefs get out in front of this one and suspend Frank Clark themselves to be like, Hey, we're punishing him. What do you guys think? Will the Chiefs get out in front of it? Does history say that? Cause I honestly didn't do a ton of research. I know we had, like you said, Sean, the Breland, got the four game suspension handed down by the NFL. But when Tyreek Hill was, in trouble. He was, was he asked by the chiefs not to come to the facilities, or how did that happen? I don't remember at this point. Yes, with Tyree Kill, Brett Veach said in the press conference when he initially brought it out, we've talked with his agent. We think it's best that Tyree stays away until this is resolved. Now it sounds like in that situation, they kind of knew what was coming. They they had an idea. Maybe not to a full extent, but had an idea. And that's why they didn't just abandon Tyreek Hill the way that we all thought he would, because they knew there were more details than we were aware of at the time. I think a more apt comparison is Kareem Hunt, where Kareem Hunt had multiple instances, basically got away with the first couple where people kind of justify it, kind of like I did at the beginning. Okay, Frank Clark, I get that you don't know what the gun laws are. Next time, be more aware. Okay, well, a guy screamed a, a, a racial slur, a racist slur at at Kareem Hunt. He punched him out. Happens, so and then yeah, happens, right? I don't know. I'm a 30 year old white guy. I've never had to worry about it, but I'm lucky enough. On to- you, Irish piece of trash! <laughs> I bet you, would, I bet you wouldn't punch me. <laughs> you. Or in the booking, same room as me. <laughs> booking a
1: ticket to Denver right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I think that's a more apt comparison just because if Frank Clark is honest with the Chiefs about why he had the Uzi, what the situation was, I think they will be more apt to let it play out. That seems to be the Chiefs kind of ticket to things is they want to see how things play out with the law. They want to get – as much information as possible and then they will make their decision going forward. Kareem Hunt lied to them. They got more information and they cut him. It was that simple. I think if Frank Clark were to do something like that,
1: you might see a suspension. Yeah. And I I do think, I do think the chiefs have shown that they, they like to be uh, out in front of things, not be behind like we see with like the Houston Texans. Uh, They want to, they want to be ahead of it so they can be like, okay, we, we understand what's going on. So I, I don't know if we'll see a suspension right away from the chiefs. I think that again, the NFL in 2008 when Plex Gobert shot himself was a lot different. And that was only what Roger Goodell's second year. Cause he started in 2006. So it was only a second year. So I, I don't think, I think a new commissioner is probably less likely to suspend a player than one like Roger Goodell. Now that is 15 years, tenure in the NFL. So I think that's a, higher probability that the NFL takes action before the chiefs really have to, but I, I can definitely see it be playing out like the way that uh, the cream or not the cream, the Tyree kill situation where they ask him, you know, until we have this legally figured out, we want you separate from the team just so we're, we can kind of plausible, plausible deniability almost at that right. point.
0: All right. One more, one more follow-up real quick. If let's pretend like the chiefs, didn't push every contract in the world down the road. If Frank Clark's deal was all front-loaded, and let's say they could save, I'll just say an average number, they could save eight this year and ten next year by cutting him. Do you think they would cut him?
1: I think so. I think because you saw such a drop in production this last year, the Chiefs, to my viewpoint, they don't like keeping headaches or distractions on the roster. That's just not what they, that's not what Clark Hunt wants. It's not what Veach once or Andy Reid once, And so I think if it was not financially damning, they'd get rid of him pretty quick. I agree
0: to a point. I do think production comes into it in a big way. Tyree Kill was the best wide receiver, was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL when things started to get, get weird with him. So they made, they, they played it out. They waited for it. Kareem Hunt was playing at a terrific level, but also had a very friendly contract and was an an easier cut. So the the, the risk reward of having to deal with a, a lot of dead cap made it a lot easier. And again, the whole, he lied to them about what he did and then they found out added to that to a lesser extent though, guys like Travis Kelsey early on in his career was, you know, again, nothing like this where he's having off the field issues, but, cost his team on the field at times with just antics and, and being a young kid, essentially they're willing to let him grow up. So there's an example where it works out. Tyreek Hill, I think is a, maybe a better example of where it works out, where a guy who has technically off the field issues, they hang with him and it becomes, it turns out that it's, there are more details than we initially thought that favor Tyreek Hill. I don't know if they'd cut him. I think, I think if, if Frank Clark had had 12 sacks last year, I don't, I don't think it would enter their minds until like Sam brought up, unless like he got convicted of a felony that was going to be, you know, a minimum of a year sentence and he was not able to play football, but because he had six sacks last year, battled health issues with his stomach bug and other physical ailments throughout the season I think that's I think that's where it becomes a real conversation unfortunately. Right, which is why I asked because it's just another instance of these teams don't really value their players, they value their franchise. If they if the Chiefs could get out from Frank Clark, I think they would depending on his whatever his sentencing is going to be. I think they are I think the NFL people talk about like the NFL it's like oh they don't care about character blah 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 all this. If I did this at my job, I never You know get away with it they'd fire me immediately it's like yeah maybe probably but also like a corporation is going to take production over they'll take production into account before making a decision on whether or not you're terminated i'll use myself as an example i used to work for a credit union and i would i would make waves on the floor like i would chew out my manager on the floor because I had real problems with some of the things we were doing as an organization. I didn't think they were ethical or okay.
1: Can I ask Sean, how, how did you start the the chewing out? Was it like you were trying to get your mom or everyone be quiet so your mom can talk? No,
0: no. I just, I would go back there. I paw the earth like a horse. That <laughs> seems
1: reasonable. I was really uh, hoping that you would just in the middle of the, the bullpen, just give a good old yo, just, just <laughs> let everybody have it. But I would do
0: that, and I would like I would use I was use a lot of profanity on the floor. But because I hit my numbers in sales, they tolerated me for a long time, and I left on my terms when I wanted to. So, <laughs> like, so you're the ty- you're the ty- you were the Tyree Kill of yours. I office. was the Tyree Kill. I was I was the unathletic, broken down, diabetic <laughs> version of Tyree Kill. But. That, but I think like that's again everything is is escalated in the NFL. You're talking about billionaires who pay millionaires to play a child's game, and they're on TV, and so we all see it. But no one wants to talk about someone like me who makes waves on the floor, but gets away with it because I make them money. I'm one of the people who hits their their numbers all the time. That's it's a different thing. So I I don't know. I think production is always going to be a part of it in the corporation and. It's not like your boss can't like you. We've all probably had jobs where we liked our boss, but if we did something bad enough, they'd still be forced to fire us. Right, right. But again, the teams value the production and not the person Right. in these instances. And on top of that, it's tough for us to be like, here's what I do at my job. Because now listen, I don't want to knock any of us in this Zoom call, three of us, but we are not at the top 1% of the top 1% of our job fields. Correct. So there's that as well, where they are so highly specialized in their job field that it's big time decisions when you move on from a person and think about their production and things. Right, especially like someone like Frank Clark, who at one point in his career, if you take last year out of it, was at the top one percent of one percent of a very specialized skill set. That's a hard thing to pass up. So before we get into kind of how this affects the roster, we did want to ask a. a more philosophical question and we may have already kind of touched on we've touched on a couple of the issues they had already but do the Chiefs have a character problem you know we'll get in this maybe a little bit later in the podcast but it's a rough day when the Raiders are a more widely accepted humanitarian group than the Kansas City Chiefs are that's a tough thing to swallow for Kansas City Chiefs fans but that happened this week so I want we wanted to go around and, and give our opinions do the Chiefs have a problem with character concern players do they bring them in too much are they not do we not have the locker room that they thought they did
1: where do you guys stand on that sam i'll come back to you first on this one i don't think they do in all reality at the end of the day i think that the big thing to think about with with the nfl is this is a an organization that employs each team employs just on the active roster 52 grown adults these are grown adults and it's just like any other job my employers can't really control what I'm doing outside of work. And if I make a bad choice, that's not on them. That's on me. Now, if that happened to one of us, no one would ever know. We would get fired and it's done. But because the NFL is a public entity, everyone knows everything that happens. Tyree Kill, we knew they took a chance on. And it has seemingly paid off he had some bumps here and there but he's kind of corrected himself we've seen them take risks on other players that seem to have justin houston these players that have minor minor flaws but those are the guys that you don't really see causing problems that's the thing it's not the guys that they take that have character issues that give us the problems It's the guys that seem to be button buttoned up i'm using quotation marks that tend to have problems. Green Hunt, now Frank Clark, guys that don't have that issue, that historic issue necessarily, that then start to create create problems. So I can't blame it on them. I think what why the other reason is because they do try to get so far ahead of things. They don't like having these kind of players on the roster if they don't have to. Um, they try to work through it. And if uh, in the Tyree Kill situation, he's the best wide receiver in the NFL, they're going to probably stretch it as far as they can before they make that decision. But... They're not. They're not allowing some second-string defensive tackle to do something stupid and, and remain on the roster if it's not if it's going to cause a problem with the team. So I don't think it's a cultural issue at all.
0: Jay, what about you? Do you think the Chiefs have a problem with bringing in and then developing players who have a history of character concerns? Again, using quotation marks within their organization. Uh, can I first go off on a side tangent because I'm still laughing about. Sean being the Tyree kill of his office. And I finally, I finally figured out who I was in my own job. I am the Randy Moss of my, my, uh, my job field.
1: Oakland Raiders, Randy Moss.
0: Raiders version of (laughs) Randy Moss.
1: You are the best, but you don't care.
0: (laughs) I'm giving it like 60%. Every now and then again, I'll put my team up, but then the Chiefs just come right back down the field anyway and score. So it didn't matter.
1: Every now and then you just you just have to go out to remind everybody how good you actually are. And then you just go right back to the 60 to 50 percent range.
0: Exactly. And you know what? The older I get, eventually I'll be the Titans version of Randy Moss. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) So, Sam, I do want you to think about who you are in your job field as well. So but anyway, Sean's actual question was. Do the Chiefs have a character problem? My answer is winning solves everything. No, they don't have any sort of issue right now because there's no heat going to be coming on to them because nobody's going to be like, oh, well, they're still winning. Who cares? The second they start losing games, but they shouldn't more than one because you do get the one random Andy Reid loss a year that you're just like, what? Raiders this year at home. Until that happens, I don't think you worry about it. Other big factor... You have Andy Reid, you're winning. Other big factor, you have Patrick Mahomes, who nobody wants to disappoint in that locker room at this point. You look at somebody like Marcus Peters, I think that's part of the reason they traded him was because, number one, he was a character. A character. I mean, that is kind of the summary of it. He was a character, but also I think when Mahomes was going to start that next season, they're like, we don't want anybody to even challenge Mahomes in year one because it's his team now. We don't want anybody having to be talked to by someone else because we want Mahomes to clearly establish this is my team. So that's kind of where I'm going with is I don't see there being a character concern until there's some sort of losing or if you get three or four more players that you're having a bunch of dead cap, that's when people will start worrying.
1: All right. I, I've, got, I've got my comparison, Jacob. Are you ready for this? I am the Kurt Warner of this podcast. And then I floundered around in a worthless job for several years before I actually started applying any of my skills. (laughs) That's, that's who I am. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's beautiful. I
0: love that. Uh, Sam. So what you're saying is Kurt was stocking shelves. You were playing with tigers
1: pretty much. That's the, that's the, (laughs) that's the reality of it.
0: You know what, I'm going to give it to you on that one over Kurt Warner. Sam Black, our, our local better than Kurt Warner for the first like 26-ish years of their lives.
1: The not nearly as good looking, didn't win a Super Bowl fat version of Kurt Warner, but I'm better. It didn't play I'll in two care. Super Bowls,
0: played <laughs> in two. So I, <laughs> Listen, I use that all the time, so just make sure that you guys are... You're very specific about this because I use that argument already for Patrick Mahomes. Like, oh yeah, he won one, he's played in two. What did Aaron Rodgers do? Sorry, I clearly have a unhealthy addiction to talking about Aaron Rodgers, so I'm done. I, just to wrap up the conversation on character concern, I am I'm with you guys as of right now. I don't think they have a problem with character concern. You know, Tyree Kill, like I said, has been nothing but a stand-up citizen. Even after the second audio came out, it became very clear that it had been reported poorly. Uh, and not all the details were there. Um, but that's just one man's opinion who also has compared himself to Tyreek Hill, so take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> uh, that's true. So, you know, make sure that uh, you check me on that. But, like, then you bring up guys like Marcus Peters, Kareem Hunt, now Frank Clark being the most one. Like, if if Frank Clark puts the Chiefs into a position where they have to cut him. They have to move him. At that point, they're on watch for me. Only because they will now have spent top draft capital and money now, if you include Frank Clark, uh, his contract, into players who did not finish that contract with Kansas City. Kareem Hunt didn't finish out his rookie contract. Marcus Peters didn't finish out his rookie contract. Frank Clark was given uh, at the time the richest contract for a defensive end and they gave up a first and a third for him. So you gave up collectively a first, a second, and two third round and swapped two third round picks. So I guess, yeah, technically two third round picks you've used to acquire players and gave up $100 million, not including the two rookie contracts, for guys who may or may not be on your team in the long term. So if Frank Clark is forced off of this team, I'm going to maybe start paying a little
1: closer attention to it going forward at that point. I would like to apologize, Sean, for taking what was a very serious topic that you brought up and flushing it down the toilet by comparing ourselves to NFL. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got to find the levity somewhere, man. Like we really do though. Like it's, has I'd like, I'd like to take a moment and thank Sam for taking the blame for something that I did. So <laughs> real Kurt Warner move on your part to take the blame for me. I was going to say, as far as like the roles you decided to pick, you both filled them admirably (laughs) as much as those players would in this like one minute segment. So well done there. Now, obviously the off the field stuff is going to affect the on field stuff. We don't know how much, we don't know if it's going to necessarily be uh, in terms of game suspension or whatever the case, but we want to, you know, again, be proactive rather than reactive. So We wanted to give our opinions on how we feel about the defensive front. Who do we want to see try to fill in for Frank Clark if he is forced to miss time? Um, Sam will come to you here on this first question here. How do you feel about the defensive front of the Chiefs if you remove Frank Clark
1: from the equation? In reality, this may sound strange talking about a guy who was an integral part in our Super Bowl victory. Ultimately, the run to the Super Bowl, but now I don't think it does a crazy amount. I mean, unless he was going to come out and and that's the hard thing is it's not like we're three or four games in and we have an understanding of how Frank Clark was going to play this year, but I I can only go off of what we saw last year and it wasn't good. I I don't think anyone would debate that Frank Clark did not perform to what he was being paid. And so I don't think the only thing I think it affects, the only thing I don't like is it probably does guarantee Chris Jones is playing the end. That's just a, that's, Pretty much what this does, if Frank Clark does not play, Chris Jones will be playing in most of the season. But uh, Mike Dana played very admirably last year. I think Taco Charlton, again, Jacob's not high on him. Sean and I both like him as a player. I think it's – I don't see the Frank Clark – losing Frank Clark affecting us as much as that high of a player should affect us if we lost him basically –
0: Jay, what about you? The front four and the rotation that would follow through without Frank Clark, how does that affect your opinion of, of what the Chiefs have to offer on the defensive line? Let me start with the shade Sam's thrown at me. I don't have any problem with Dunko Charlton. I'm not optimistic that he will play full seasons and do a whole lot, but I, I like the.
1: Did I not just say Jacob was really not high on him and his way of saying, I not optimistic about <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> he didn't like the word choice, Sam. He
0: wanted to be slightly softened. Oh. Again, JJ didn't like this, it either. I apologize. Exactly. If this was not called No Place Like My Homes, it would be called <laughs> Jacob doesn't agree with Sam. Look at you. Look what you did, Sam.
1: I know. I'm look sorry, JJ.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I think you've nailed it. It's like, you're forced to play Chris Jones at D and then I was kind of thinking about this earlier this week and you know baseball talk came on too where it's like hey if this guy doesn't work out at third base just throw him in right field it's like it would be really nice to use that kind of thinking in football but I, it's just not the same you can't you can't rely on hey the defense in the right field not the same as playing D and D tackle it's not not remotely the same I think you're I think you are worse without Frank Clark. I think let's start there by saying you are a worse team if he is not playing because the guys behind him are not as good. The problem is we look at Frank Clark very skeptically because of his contract and the amount of money he makes. He's one of the top paid non-quarterback players. I think maybe the high – I think he'll be the highest paid non-quarterback this year is what I remember. Something along that lines, but – Yeah, I'm not thrilled about the internal options, which is why I know Sean has a follow-up question to all of this. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. I won't spend too much time on this. I agree with you, Sam, in that if Chris Jones plays D-end, even if he only – let's say he plays D-end the same amount of time that he was going to play defensive end when Frank Clark was on the field. Now teams can key in on Chris Jones at defensive end the whole idea of getting him out to defensive end was to allow him more one-on-one opportunities or, you know, take the tackle and only have to deal with a running back chipping versus a guard center. And then maybe a running back chipping. And now you're going to force him into that same kind of situation outside that he was in inside. It just, it's really frustrating in that regard. I think not having Bashad Breland does kind of affect this maybe even more so than not having Frank Clark just because you don't have the coverage now to make up the same way that you did last year for when Frank Clark was not in the lineup. We'll see how it all plays out, but that I am, I am, I am maybe more concerned outwardly than, than you guys are just because we are going to be relying on at least two rookies or two second year players to not have sophomore slumps and come out and really continue to progress and then a rookie who had no
1: sacks of Florida state his last season. Before, before we move on, I, I think the, the one saving point for me and why I don't think this is as bad is again, what I do think is going to be the biggest non-talked about steal that happened in this offseason, which is Jaron Reed. I think if Jaron Reed had not been traded for, if we were the same defensive line minus Jaron Reed, I would be much more worried, yeah. but because we have, even though Jaren Reed's definitely not Chris Jones, he has shown the ability to rush the passer from the inside. And that, so we're not losing that ability necessarily having to move Chris Jones outside. I, I, that's why I'm not as nervous necessarily losing Frank Clark's production. That does make a lot of sense.
0: Um, and that is kind of leads us into our topic about internal options. Who do you want to see take the amount of snaps that if Frank Clark is not able to play, that he would leave behind. Who do you want to see be out in front for those responsibilities? Um, Jacob, I'll come back to you here first on this one. Is there one of the guys on, on the defensive front right now that you would want to see step into that role? I think it'll just be by committee if, you know, Frank Clark does miss significant time, which is I think your best option at this point if you don't go external. So I think just a rotation of players my brain is completely blanking on who those players might be right now. So I'll let whoever's next, which I guess would be Sam, tell us who those, what that rotation might be. Well, at least you remembered Sam's name. That's the important part. Sam, what about you? Out of the guys who are currently on the roster, is there one that stands out to you as a guy who could take up uh, a significant amount of extra snaps
1: to kind of fill in for that Frank Clark role? Yeah, no, I think in reality, I think Jacob got it right. It will likely be a committee but I think this harkens back to last week we were talking about offensive line. You want it to be Joshua Kando because that means he beat everyone else out as a rookie. I, I, again, I if it was between two players, I want to see it between Mike Dana and Joshua Kando. I want, even if that means that Joshua Kando is just coming in as a pass rush specialist and Mike Dana is kind of the more every down defensive end because I, I, Jacob was high on really high. So I'll give you credit, Jacob. You were very high on. Mike Dana last year even though we were very confused on him in general because he doesn't look like a defensive end after really watching him after Jacob kept bringing him up I I was incredibly impressed by him I think we talked about that at the end of this last year so I think his his overall development and then hopefully Joshua Kando coming in and being able to provide that pass rush which is kind of what we drafted him for I think is probably the best solution
0: I would love it if Kendo blew it up. I'm hesitant. I mean, that would be the ideal. My guy is is Taco Charlton. I'd love to see him step into the role and and really capitalize on the potential that we all think is there. If and just stay healthy, because I think if he stays healthy, the numbers will come. He's a talented, athletic enough defensive end that it's just a matter of staying on the field. If he, is, if he is able to do that, I think that benefits guys like Kando, where they're not forced into a, a bigger role than maybe they're ready for right away. You don't have to worry about if, if Mike Dana doesn't come out and just pick up immediately where he left off, you at least have a guy who's been there, done that, that you can rely on. You don't have to worry about trying to do things like move Tershawn Wharton out to defensive end after you're already moving Chris Jones out to defensive end. If Taco Charlton can step in and just take the reins and be like, I got this until he's back, until Frank Clark's back, I think that allows the development on some of the other guys on your defensive line to to continue at a a reasonable uh, pace without drastically increasing the expectations for at least one, if not multiple of them. Now, there are options outside of the internal options. You would just have to give those players money. And it's kind of weird when, Jacob, you sent this list to us of edge defenders, pass rush specialists who are still currently on the market in in free agency. These are a lot of the same names that we talked about being interested in the Chiefs looking at back when the offseason first started and we did our first like free agency preview. The names you sent us here, Jacob, this is from Arrowhead First, uh, Melvin Ingram. Everson Griffin, Trent Murphy, Vic Beasley, Olivier Vernon, John Simon, and Adrian Claiborne. Like that's a lot of names that have had at different points some prominence in the NFL. Maybe they aren't playing at the top of their game anymore, whether it's health issues, age, combination of the two. But all have shown at times to still be effective. And in the Chiefs kind of rotation, how they handle the defensive line, probably wouldn't be asked to take up the role that a Frank Clark would leave behind. They would just be expected to come in maybe maybe uh, take up a role of a pass rush specialist or something along those lines. Out of the the guys who are currently on the market still, um, Sam, is there a name that you would like to see the Chiefs pursue? I'll answer for Sam real quick. Olivier Vernon is Thank you. number one.
1: <laughs> I'm not even I wasn't going to say ex- it, but yeah. like I was like, I'm going to say it. I'm not even going to give an explanation if the listeners don't know why they should go back and listen to previous podcasts. And I will have explained why Olivier Vernon is the one that I want. You have been
0: on that, on that bandwagon for a hot minute. Jago, what about you? Out of the names you sent us, or if there's even a name that's not on this list, is there a player that you would like to see the Chiefs bring in to try and help fill the void left by Frank Clark if he's forced to miss time? Yeah. Out of the, that list plus some, the ones that I think are the most, most interesting slash maybe the most sure are guys we have talked about. So Melvin Ingram, we've talked about, we've said, you know, you're kind of taking a risk on his health slash, you know, his production slowed down. And we've talked about Olivier Vernon, Vernon, he tore his ACL last January. So that's the biggest concern with him. But if you're looking at players wise, he is clearly the most consistent of the bunch and has it, but Again, you've got to wonder what does somebody have after a torn ACL? It can go many directions. Some people come back and are have their best season. Some people come back and aren't the same person anymore. And then the other ones that did kind of – I had to go look up because I think when you're watching any sport, you see a guy a couple of years ago and you're like, man, that is a beast. Then two or three years down the road, you'll look him up. You're like, man, that guy had a good season two or three years ago. And that's guys like Everson Griffin and, and Vic Beasley of, you know, at one point, they were kind of just like, these guys are the studs on their team. And then they just kind of didn't go crazy anymore, but they are, those two are interesting to me because they did have a skill set where it got you excited, where you could see them beating guys off the wall. And the other ones I think are a little less exciting because they're, a little younger of guys but a little less production and so again i think the reason we're where we're at is because these guys all have those big question marks like you say but it is interesting that the nfl has almost adopted major league baseball's way of signing free agents of just waiting forever even past for baseball past training camp or not past training camp past spring training to go and give guys very little amounts of money. So it'll be interesting to see if that's what happens in the NFL, because I don't feel like names like this sat for so long like they used to. I think out of the crew that you sent us, Jacob, Melvin Ingram's the one I think kind of fits the mold that the Chiefs don't have and kind of a pure speed edge rusher off the edge. He doesn't fit the Spags model physically, but I think it would be a different dynamic than what they have currently. The, the guy though, that I think, looking at it now that intrigues me the most is Vic Beasley just because he's not even 30 yet he was still effective prior to 2020 and 2020 I think is one where you could reasonably give somebody a pass on a tough year and with a full training camp what could he be you know prior to prior to getting to age 30. That, that name I would be willing to take a flyer on and be like, hey, if you can get him on a reasonable contract, let's get him in here and see if he's got anything left. Because 2019, he had eight sacks and started 15 out of the 16 games that were out there. Had 42 total tackles, 12 quarterback hits, you know, forced a couple fumbles. Like he's, He had a well-rounded season for just two years ago. So I think if you, if, if you can look at the tape and go, well, it was 2020, just ravaged this guy. And you think that giving him a full training camp could really help, I'd be wanting to take a flyer on him or Melvin Ingram at this point. Or Olivier Vernon, just so that Sam could be happy. If he's healthy, he's obviously like the the number one option. We've talked a lot about negative stuff. And there was one last negative news story that we're going to do our best to turn into something fun and positive. Uh, because our uh, an old friend alert as a uh, Siren Petro and the guys at the program on 810 Kansas City like to say, Tyler Palco also had a run in with the law. Former Chiefs quarterback um, from the famed Todd Haley days also had a run in with the law. This is the sad part of it. I promise we're going to try to get to the fun stuff soon, but was pulled over and arrested for a DUI. Again, nobody got hurt. Thank God it was a it was a not an accident or anything like that, but an unfortunate unfortunate set of circumstances. So Jacob came up with the idea since it was such kind of a lousy week of football news, like not not even just with the Chiefs, but just kind of around the league. It was a lot of sad stuff, a lot of negative stuff. We wanted to take a negative and turn it into a positive. So Jacob, you came up with the idea. Let's do a little bit of a guessing game or a quiz game where Sam and I have to see how many players we can name from the Tyler Palco days of the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll I'll let, turn this over to you now and you explain kind of where where you want us to go with this. The year was 2011 and <laughs> our good friend Tyler Palco was a left-handed starting quarterback, which again is kind of a rare thing. You don't see it very often. Tua is now holding that throne. Mike Vick used to hold it, and then of course in between the two was the legend Tyler Palco. Just to get your guys' trivia brains warmed up, how many seasons did Tyler Palco manage to be on an NFL roster? I'm going to say four. I think it's four because I thought it was three, but I think I'm going to give him one more year. Six. I had it down as two, where the only <laughs> time he recorded any statistics. So I might be wrong. He might have been a backup somewhere. But even on pro football reference, usually they give games, right. even if a guy had never played. Right. So if he's on a roster, they note it somewhere there. Right. Right. So I believe it was two. But the game is how many players can you name from the 2011 Kansas City Chiefs? You each get two strikes. So, again, I've made too many baseball references. So two strikes and you're out. So if you miss, you get a strike. And then it goes back to the other person, I would say. So you don't double strike yourself. So you get two freebies. Uh, these, the reason I'm posting this is because number one, we need a moderator. And also I kind of cheated because I went back and looked up the Tyler Palco Steelers game where he did indeed record three consecutive turnovers on three consecutive snaps, which is, I couldn't find if that was a record, but I was like, that's gotta be a record to <laughs> turn the ball over in three consecutive snaps that you're on the field. It's like, that would be tough <laughs> sledding to beat.
1: Question, Jacob. Can I name two players at once if they do relate to each other? It's a good one, I promise. Can I at least get one of them? I've got two.
0: When we get there, I will make the determination on that. Okay. I'll I'll decide how it counts. But anyway, it's going to be a simple game format. It's just one-to-one. You name a player. The other guy has to name a player. Again, you get two strikes. And then so once your two strikes are out and you can't name anybody else, it's over. The rules make sense for the game. They do. Good enough. Uh, Sean, and I'm ready for your editing of me having to search this list of guys because I've listed them <laughs> by position. So I'm hoping that if you name somebody really obscure, I can find them quickly since they were not in one of the starting positions. I will so not name again, anyone off the starting I was going to say, if I get an obscure name, it is pure luck. Oh, there's there's a bunch of guys that were on the roster that didn't necessarily start a game. So I will accept those guys as well because there's a lot of 16 games with no starts. But, yeah, I don't think you're going to get most of them. Who would like to start?
1: Sam, I'll I'll go if I can do my two at one. Yeah, go for it, Sam. All right. In 2011, we drafted a legendary wide receiver named Jonathan Baldwin. (sighs) What that means is we had a running back on the roster that ended up breaking Jonathan Baldwin's hand by him punching him in the face named Thomas Jones.
0: Thomas Jones was on the Chiefs that year. For some reason, I cannot find John Baldwin on here. Sure the right.
1: we know drafted I mean.
0: him in 2011. He was drafting him. Oh, I found him. Okay, yeah, yeah, good. Sorry, okay. sorry. Again, that was his rookie year, of-
1: and that's when he Sean. broke his hand on Thomas Jones' face.
0: Sean will have lots of editing, so you know what. In fairness, Sean now has to name two players. Well, if if we had Thomas Jones, that means we had Jamal Charles. I'm going to take a chance here and see if I can get this name because I believe that was the year they also tried to bring in a slot receiver who had had some success with Todd Haley to compliment another receiver who I'll I'll give to Sam if he wants him. You're going Uh, deep here, Sean. You're right. That's Steve Breston, who was of Arizona, and was brought in on a three – I think a three-year deal or a two-year deal to Kansas City and just did not live up to the hype. We were all stoked. He was the Sammy Watkins of that era. Sam, it's your turn. Was that right? Yeah, Breston was on that team.
1: Nice. I feel like we just need to get the easy ones out of the way. So Tom Bahali. I'm waiting for the positive, correct, yes or no, Jacob. It's, it's an audio oh, yeah, format;
0: yeah. they can't see you nod unless we decide to go on YouTube somewhere. Sorry, ding, ding, ding. Yes.
1: <laughs> Dwayne Bow. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Justin Houston. Justin Houston was on the Chiefs in. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, but he, he didn't. Make a ding, I know ding, ding. he dinged, but it went really quiet for some reason. Oh, oh sorry. Okay.
0: <laughs> like audio error. Ding, ding, ding.
1: <laughs> Glenn Dorsey. Ding, ding, ding.
0: <laughs> Sorry, that one took a second. Well, Big Dorsey's there. I think Ron Edwards is there now, isn't he? Oh, you had to go deep on me, didn't you? I got to go down further. Okay. On the <laughs> I'm remembering Ron- from Madden 09, so I'm like hoping that some of these guys made it long enough. See, that was my other fear with this game was like, what years of Madden and ESPN <laughs> do people own? Because – some people are experts on very specific years of this. I do not see Ron Edwards anywhere, Sean, so that oh. is your first strike.
1: Uh, it's back but to there's, me.
0: There's still some obvious ones out there.
1: There are a lot of obvious ones out there. One's named Derek Johnson.
0: Oh hell. <laughs> ding ding ding. I was going to say Sean, start thinking about more defensive players. Yeah. Just but think about draft picks, Sean. Brandon Brandon Flowers. Brandon Flowers. There, there we is. go. Yeah, 09, he was a rookie.
1: I will take Brandon Carr.
0: Ding, ding, ding. Again, and you also both know from our Chiefs chat that Tyler Powell only started four games in this season. So, also, be thinking Kyle Orton. I believe so. Let me throw down the list if real quick. If they fired Todd Haley at the end of that year, that's the year they beat Green Bay, isn't it? It is. There, is, there was three starts from Kyle Orton when he broke his pinky. Yeah, I was just confirming with myself there.
1: Get the quarterbacks out of the way. Matt Castle. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, Christ.
0: What about uh,
1: Brandon Albert?
0: Brandon Allen, exactly. I
1: was just about to say, you guys haven't gone O line at all. Tyson, you know, no he's got him still on. The yeah, because oh, totally yeah, okay. I was <laughs> like, there's no My way bad, to me. my bad.
0: Sorry. Yes, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, I think Ryan Lilja was the starting left guard at that point. Yes, sir.
1: That's a good call out. I, I probably wouldn't have brought this or thought of this if we hadn't talked about him relatively recently. That's Javon Belcher.
0: Uh, Javon Belcher is on there. I wasn't the other
1: linebacker.
0: We have so many bad players on this team. (laughs) Oh my god! Again, think of that, Sean. It's that era. (laughs) uh, This was Eric Winston's first year at right tackle, wasn't it? Uh, You know, when I said two strikes and you're out, I was joking. That is strike two for Sean. We'll give three strikes just because I want to see what else Sam also has in his book. He was not the right tackle. I think he was signed the next season.
1: But I'm going to try to get myself a, a bit of time on the tackle by going the all-time MVP and Dustin Colquitt. Dustin Colquitt <laughs> is on that team. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> Sorry,
0: Sean. But Sean has a hint to you. Think about. Yeah, that would have been. been uh, uh, that would have been a uh, Ryan Suckup Mr. Ryan Suckup was on character. that squad. Yep. And If you're at home, definitely make sure you're trying to think of names, and I'll let you. You'll know whether you are right or not too as you're listening along.
1: Right tackle. I do not know his first name, last name Richardson.
0: It was Barry Richardson.
1: Oh, <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> I was like, I, I just was trying to remember who the guy that got Ooh. destroyed after Brandon Albert got hurt. I will like, say to you that's... both,
0: because this is a hint for both of you, because I obviously favored Sean since he's already collected two strikes. The right. center, a right guard, I would say we're good players. I'm going to get three strikes either way, and it's going to be down to Sam. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, Casey Wigman. Casey Wigman was. The yes. Start. Oh my God. I knew it because he went to Denver and then he came back like one more year. And I don't remember him being particularly good that year, but he was there.
1: I'm trying to think of our safeties because oh. we've got the cornerbacks. I will say to
0: you that, yes, both safeties are names.
1: I think I, Dan,
0: Dan Sorensen, but before him.
1: So white safety.
0: Oh, I know it. You've got some leniency here because you've got no strength. <laughs> I was gonna say to you're know. I'll be out and you'll be still going. So you've got you've got time.
1: Dexter McCluster.
0: Oh. Dexter McCluster is on that team, so good pull on names that were drafted. <laughs> I
1: was like, I'm like, somebody may be there. All right, Sean. Again, yeah, huh. this
0: was the year that Todd Haley got fired. Who's so. the who's
1: the white safety? I think I think the white safety you were talking about is John McRaw.
0: Yeah, that's right. That is correct.
1: Nice. I got a Brain fart because I was thinking about returners. Um, I think you're
0: right. Go for
1: it. Arenas?
0: Uh, Javier. Javier. Yeah. Was yeah. squad. He was not traded yet for the sausage. Was, was
1: right. I think I'm done. So Was the was the
0: 2011 version of Ben Neiman, Andy Studebaker on that team? He was on that squad. So we go back to Sam. So, Sam, again, you, you've got the three strikes to work with. You can take a shot in the dark. Again, I've given you guys lots of context. You said the safeties were names, right? The safe, the other safety, you may remember. This is the year they had three blown ACLs. So you guys had Dexter McCluster. You had Jamal Charles. Did you get the third guy? I'm Brandon on. Albert, wasn't it? We had, well, Brandon Albert, yeah, was there. But there's another guy that got hurt that year. I'm so scared to pull the trigger, but I'm going to do, do it. it. Eric Berry. Eric Berry was, I think, the third right. person here. Because I think Jamal Charles injured himself in game two okay. against the Colts when he – Like, was trying to avoid the mascot on the sideline. All right.
1: right. Pull on the guard. Awesome Moa.
0: Awesome on there.
1: Now, here's my
0: advice all of you. Just name random players that were terrible that played in the Todd Haley era. Because there's a lot of names that you're going to be like, oh, yeah. Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn, I believe, was cut the previous year. All right. So, Sean has lost the game. Sam, take some shots in the dark.
1: All right, I'm looking for our Tony Gonzalez replacements. So it was Brad Cotton on the team.
0: I, I I don't think he was. Okay. It was Jake O'Connell and actually there's Tony star, Moyaki. Their, <laughs> their, nope. they're star <laughs> – you, you guys actually did not get their starting tight ends. Apparently these are the starting tight ends. One won Anthony Beck. And then the other guy was a massive black man, like 6'8". Yeah, 6'8". Leonard Pope. And then there's one other, I think just because he had an all-time great name – which was Savvy Piscatelli, And then I can just remember the name. I remember that he was like, there was John McGraw, there was Savvy Piscatelli, And then there was, then there was the Dan Sorensen that took that role over firmly for everybody. I appreciate the patience of everybody. And again, we're looking for any feedback. So hopefully Sean has some good edits, yeah. but I'll throw it back <laughs> to Sean at this point. Cause that was, that was fun for us. I don't know if that was fun for anybody else. Yeah. So last thing we wanted to wrap up here with tonight was a bit of positive news. Leave you with something, something good. Uh, and that is that, and I can't believe we're covering a Raider, but by golly, we're going to do it. Uh, Carl, Nass- I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Nassib. Nassib, yeah. Nassib. Uh, Carl Nassim defensive and for the uh, oh, oh, dang it. Did it again. Los Angeles. What are they? Las Vegas Raiders? Where are they week. play? They're the Oakland Raiders. Let's, okay. let's just Golly. Las Vegas. Okay. Las Vegas Raiders. Had to look it up because I couldn't think <laughs> of the damn city. You actually home. had to look we it up. We just named the entire 2011 Kansas City Chiefs roster, but I can't remember where their prime rival plays currently. Uh, Sean, uh, I would like Lord. to please edit that out for yourself.
1: Yes. Just, just, just start again. Just start <laughs> again.
0: just restart the podcast at this point Sean. Uh, (laughs) welcome back oh lord so we wanted to end things on a positive note here tonight and i can't believe we're going to cover the las vegas raiders in any capacity that's in in a positive light but they did have some great news come out in that carl Nassib, defensive end for the raiders uh, did come out publicly as a gay man he's the first active player which I think is an important distinction the first active player to come out as gay we all remember Michael Sam uh, back when he was drafted for the then St. Louis Rams was an active collegiate athlete who was drafted into the NFL but he was openly gay before being drafted Carl Nassib's the first actively gay athlete uh, player in the NFL response has been Truly overwhelming and, and, and mostly positivity. They his jersey became the number one selling jersey um, within like a day of the announcement. So a lot of a lot of cool stuff for him. He immediately donated uh, to charity, and I'm blanking on the name of the actual charity that he donated to. So I'll have to look that up. I but, can tell you what just of the charity is though. It's for uh, prevention of suicides for LGBTQ uh, teenagers. Yes. I don't remember the name either, but that's the what the foundation's about. Yeah, I'll look it up here as we give our reactions, but let's go around the horn here. Jacob, when you saw the news that Carl had come out as gay, um, what were your thoughts on it? How did it make you feel? Just give us your reactions to his announcement. I don't want to use the words brave, but that's almost where my brain goes. Is It's, it's awesome that he did it because it needs to not be news like 10 years ago, basically, is kind of where my brain's at on this one is it will be nice when it's not even when it's not news about any player saying I am gay. uh, And the comparison I'll say is Jackie Robinson, when he was the first black player to break the color line in baseball. And I think that's like my fourth baseball reference today, but that was news. And then it became so commonplace that it wasn't news anymore. So I'm excited for that day. The other one in me is a, uh, here's my negativity towards this thought because we want to make sure we have no listeners left. But my, the negative thought, I, not the negative thought, but the statistical analysis thought I have about this is, well, who would be the number one selling jersey over the last two days of whatever month, June 26th and 27th, if it wasn't somebody that didn't make news. So again, it's good to see that he has somebody backing him up, or not somebody, that people are backing him up and buying his jersey. The downside is that now a lot of people own Raiders jerseys that they're going to be conflicted about wearing probably. It's a valid point, Sam. What about you? When the news came out for you, give us your thoughts and reactions on on where you were at when you heard everything.
1: For me, it wasn't. It was one of those that this may sound bad, but it was kind of an okay. It's great. It's. I think Jacob hit hit the nail on the head perfectly when he said it's. It's a move towards this not being news anymore it's sad that the thing that I'm comparing it almost to in, in the ways of what the, what football has been for so long and the, the levels of toxic masculinity that has been present within the NFL, within football culture is what happened with Bo Beckler in Michigan, where now players are coming out and reporting the sexual abuse that they occurred while playing football under Bo Beckler. And for so many years now that that's that these are not in comparisons whatsoever but the fact that we're now seeing players openly coming out as gay even though football is supposed to be this manly manly sport we're seeing guys that coming out claiming or stating that yes i was sexually assaulted while playing for this team it's just a move in the right direction because that's obviously always been a taboo subject for men for women as well i'm not i'm not in any way, trying to deep dive, dive deep into this whatsoever. But for men, it's always been, Oh, you're, you're not, you're the masculinity aspect. You don't say that you've been abused or you don't say that you're gay because you need to be a big manly man to play football. And that's just not the reality of it. So I think it's all right. A move in the correct direction. I'm glad that he gets to, gets to be himself. I think that's the big thing about it is not feeling the need to hide. What is a crucial part of who he is. And that's a very important aspect. And It's just a good thing overall, in my opinion. So kudos for, uh, yeah, I hate, I hate we're using the word brave to, to be yourself in today's world, but I guess congratulations for having the courage to come out in a, in a media that can be very cruel sometimes to situations like that.
0: I agree. Well said, man. the, The biggest thing for me on this is that one of the things he said in his video, um, and I, I, ended up reading it rather than watching it the first time around. But that he talks about is, you know, I'm not trying to do this for publicity, but having a, one of the research of the charity he did, which I looked it up, the name is the Trevor Project, is the, the charity that goes towards trying to prevent suicide for, for people who are homosexual. And he talked about how having an adult just be there for you, someone you can, you can talk to or listen to or look up to in some kind of facet significantly helps decrease the chances of suicide. So being able to be that guy now at an NFL level, where I'm sure there are probably many gay men or young boys who, who feel like maybe that's not an avenue for them, or at least not an avenue where they can be their now feel like they can be because of him. And then him being able to back, you know, go even a step further, just being the symbol and then donating a hundred thousand dollars, you know, not an insignificant amount of money to, to the Trevor project to try and then help raise, raise the support around people who are gay really is you know, a hats off to him. You say, I I can't say it better than you did, Sam, so I won't try, but like hats off to him for having the courage to come be yourself and, and being the symbol that a lot of other young men and women, frankly, probably would need to look at something like I can get to that level and I can be myself doing it. That's a really cool thing.
1: And I just want to, for the fear of, and Sean, you can cut this if you would like to, but for, and because I know that if we have any people that have a problem with this, but it's 2021, people. If you have a problem with them coming out as gay, get over it. It's, it's not a big deal. So that, that I hate being, I know we, we like to be funny, we like to be upbeat, but it's the reality of the world is that people can be themselves and they don't need to adhere to the strict reality of, being heterosexual so if you have a problem with this get over it it's just that simple
0: right and i want to throw in my uh my take as well so again maybe not offensive or anything but if you're any sort of a high school coach and you're using any sort of slander in any way just go resign please we've all played high school age sports and we know that it's out there that people use not necessarily derogatory gay terms but toe the line enough where that is viewed as soft or not as good as the other thing. So if you're one of those people, just go resign. And I will throw in my two cents here that if, if you are uncomfortable with someone who is gay or, not, or just uh, have problems with it, I would offer up the solution, maybe go spend some time with someone who is gay. I think once you do that, you might find that you're not so different from that person. The only difference is that you prefer the opposite sex versus the same sex in terms of who you would fall in love with. If you do have a problem with something, or even if it's just a matter of discomfort or something that is unfamiliar, maybe take the step and try to expose yourself to people who are different from you. And you might actually learn something and find that you're
1: more alike than you thought. Yeah. And I think the final thing, again, we have a limited audience, and we know most of the people that listen to our podcast, but If that random person is, and this is just general for anybody, if you have any kind of thoughts that because you're different, you have, you feel like doing anything negative against yourself, I would plea that you talk to somebody about it, not do act on actions because you feel that you don't fit in with other people, so...
0: Well said guys. I can't think of a better way to end the podcast than that. So we're going to wrap it up there. We thank you guys so much for sticking with us. Uh, It's been a, it ended up being a really fun podcast that we got to end with a lot of positivity. So what a way to go out after uh, kind of wading through some tougher topics at the beginning. So we will be back next week, hopefully with some more positive news to start and end with. And until then you guys stay safe out there and we'll talk to you next week.